Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Happy Thursday from Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As always, we appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. We want to hear from you. Also, as always, 704-570-9610. That is the number to text into the Garage Door Guru text line. 704 704- 570-9610. Perhaps a lot of venting today, grieving over the past season if you are a Carolina Hurricane fan. And I know that Wes lost a lot of the faith after the Canes went down 0-2. People were responding, wait, is Wes already off of the Cane wagon? He said, no, I'm just calling it like I see it. And sure enough, we thought maybe we could extend this to five games after it was tied within five seconds of the end of regulation. And then, of course, Florida scores another goal. They move on to the Stanley Cup finals and Carolina sent packing after getting swept. How are you doing as far as the venting with your sports venting goes? Wes? Well, I mean, I figured they were going to lose um, last night. So you've night already anyway. prepared. Yeah, I mean, I knew they were going to lose anyway. But when they tied it up, you know, I know hockey's a sport that teams can come back from 0-3. And so uh, when they got down to it at the end of the game, when they tied the game, I had a little bit of faith. And I said, man, fellas, just get it back to Raleigh. And then when they, um, you know, they scored within that last minute, and it was just, it was for the best. I feel like this series, the Canes just got outclassed in every facet of the game. They didn't look like themselves. They just weren't, um, they weren't ready to go. And you got, to, you have to give the Panthers their credit. This may be the toughest road. I mean, I'm no hockey aficionado, but just looking at what I know from this year, they beat a great Maple Leafs team. They beat the brakes off of them. They beat the greatest regular season team in hockey history. Mm-hmm. And then they beat the Hurricanes, who were behind the um, the Bruins in several categories as well. They were the number one and number two teams all season. So I think the Panthers are going to win the Stanley Cup at this point. Um, and so you have to give it up. Tip your hat. Um, real quickly, Fiddy, if you don't mind going back within the first couple minutes of this show and then cutting out the audio where Wes says you have to give the Panthers some credit. We are not going to provide context. <laughs> We're just going to play that throughout the Carolina Panthers regular season. It doesn't matter. I just want you got to give the Panthers some credit. So we'll have that sound bite <laughs> saved as the Panther season is going on. Of course, as we mentioned, the Carolina Hurricane season, it comes to an end last night. Nine 1955. You go check the game cast. 1955. Kachuk scores on a power play and ends the chances of the Canes moving on, despite what little chance they had anyway after falling to an 0-3 deficit. Here's the question, because apparently, Fiddy, I did not catch the first segment of Charlotte Sports today, but you did. And apparently there was a big old debate on whether the Carolina Hurricanes actually had a successful season or not. Flounder filling in for Colin early on. Flounder was saying, no, it was a failure. While Jeff Rickard, boss man, was saying, yes, this is indeed a successful season. 
How how hot was that segment? And where do you fall on the whole successful failure thing, black and white? We have to decide. Yeah, no, it was it was a rough scene for my boy Flown. Him he was actually kept over. He was in the principal's office because he went off at the end of the Mac and Bone show and deemed <laughs> it a failure. And said that 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 the hurricanes did not succeed at all. And then this this led to a very hostile mm-hmm. um, argument between the boss man and Flounder. Oh, no. Um, I mean, at one point, Jeff called him dude uh, because he was so frustrated with them. If he if, if a parent drops a dude, it's just so out of the normal <laughs> vernacular. It's like, oh, OK, they're so hot. They can't even figure out the normal words they say. And then at one point, because Flounder wouldn't back down, Jeff simply asked him. Have you ever won a championship in anything in your life? So it, it was it was a rough scene, and I got I had to go in there and tell Flounder <laughs> that I love him. Yeah. He's my best friend. But Jeff bodied him and won the argument because um, the season's not a failure. You made the Eastern Conference final. Um, mm. I just like the idea of of Jeff asking Flounder, <laughs> "Have you ever won a championship at anything?" It reminds me of the time when you and Flounder got into an argument, and you said, "What have you done in life?" <laughs> Damn, Flound. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Why is everybody coming at my boy Flounder like that, man? That's tough. He's got no, what have you done in life? And have you ever won a championship ever? Those are the two things hurled Flounder's way just for a sports take that he had. My guy, man, I, I want him to come in and vent as well. And we can try to help salvage some of those feelings. Now, I did hear a sound from Wes while you were saying that. So let's pull up to the scene. Let's open up the doors. And Fitty, if you don't mind, let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Wes, you had a little sound when Fitty said he didn't think this season was a failure because they did reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Am I right to assume that you actually think it was a failure for Carolina? Uh, Yeah, I do. Because I think that this team came in, they were one of the favorites to win it. And especially once the uh, Boston Bruins were taken out, they were deemed the favorites to win it all. I know that the Panthers had the run that they had, and they were as hot as any team ever. And so when we look back at this, we will say that this is probably the greatest bottom seed of, of all time. But this team lost in the second round the last two seasons, and I'm a big believer and teams paying their dues, and in 2018-2019, they lost in the conference finals. So I felt like this was a team knocking at the door, and now it was their time. And I felt like that even if they had to play the Boston Bruins, that they were going to to beat them. Um, they had everything going their way to come into this series and get the job done. I know they were a little beat up injury-wise, but to me, the Hurricanes, especially once the Bruins were eliminated, Nothing less than a Stanley Cup was going to be a success in my eyes. Yeah, I think the injuries do play a big part, especially when you talk about Andrei Svechnikov going down in early to mid-March. And so if this is the guy that was second on the team in total points scored, that's a big old injury that you don't have going forward. I remember at the time, look, again, I'm not going to pretend to be some hockey expert here, but I do remember the discourse at the time was because Svechnikov's injury happened at that point that it was going to be hard to see them go all the way. Now, that was with Boston in sight before they fell to the Florida Panthers in the first round, which was really weird considering the regular season that they had. But I do wonder if you have an injury of that magnitude, then does that give you a slight excuse in order to say that this actually was a success? Because you do get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You are a top four team in the NHL. You did suffer, I guess, 
an upset seeding wise, but this is also the team. It is very similar to what Miami is doing in the NBA playoffs. It is a lower seed, but here they are moving on because of some great play. That's why it's hard for me to just call this an outright failure. If they weren't the favorite at the beginning of the season to win the Stanley Cup, and then they come in and they're a top four squad, then it's hard for me to call it a failure. Now, the other context I do want to point in, point out here, are we feeling the same way if it's not a sweep? Like, let's say that you have some kind of series that is, I don't know, let's say it's a 4-2 series win for Florida and then they move on to the Stanley Cup championship. Like, is that... Is that the thing that allows us to say, all right, maybe it wasn't quite a failure, or is the sweep carrying a lot of weight here? Well, coming into this season, I know that they were top three to four in the odds to win the the Stanley Cup. They were definitely one of the favorites. And so... um, what was the back end of the question you asked? Well, just just how much weight is being carried um, by the fact that they were able to be a top four team and they got swept, right? Like, so is it the fact oh, yeah. that they got swept yeah. that is that is um, the big reason why this is no, a failure? No, I, I think to me a loss, yes, it looks worse when it's a sweep, but I just think that the fact that they became the de facto favorite and they lost the series, whether they would have lost it in seven, six, five, no matter what it was, I mean, Sebastian Ajo, I get it that Sveshnikov wasn't there, and a lot of the scoring fell on him, but Ajo didn't really show up in this series the way you would want him to, and a lot of the guys who were were getting it done, Burns and the crew, like a lot of guys, they struggled this whole series, and they just got, as Fiddy said, Jeff did the flounder. I mean, they got bodied. (laughs) Florida just came in and just took it out of them every single night so here's my question too it got me thinking because it's funny always to see the kind of debate that just happens organically on twitter this seems to be the big question this was happening over the course of different markets whether it be here in charlotte whether it be closer to where the hurricanes actually play going out east it was whether this season was a success or not it did get me thinking what local teams professional or collegiate actually had a successful season in the past year because Carolina they did not and it led to a first firing it almost happened to where they got to the postseason but I still think the Panthers probably did not have a successful season especially with all this all the change Hornets clearly didn't with all of the injuries I don't think you can say that about North Carolina basketball given all the expectations they had do you go to, do, do you go to Duke even if they got bounced in the second yeah, round? To me, they overachieved with the way they looked at the beginning of the season. So you would call it a success in John mm-hmm. Shire's first yeah. season despite getting bounced before the Sweet 16. Yeah, with the way they looked most of the season, I would say, yeah, it was a success. See, the one that I would go with that I feel the best about, I feel like NC State basketball had the one that I feel the best about. Like, Because if we go just based off expectations, You needed to make the NCAA tournament if you're NC State, and you did that, right? Like, if you have a realistic goal, and that realistic goal is reached, NC State fits that bill to me. North Carolina football had such a downfall at the end of the season, it's kind of hard for me to just say, yep, 100% feel good about that one. If we go to even... If we go to some of the other programs, Duke football is one. I think they clearly had one, so I would put them maybe even further up than NC State basketball. What are some of the other successful seasons that we've had in the market that we talk about sports? Charlotte basketball winning the uh, the CBI's yes, got to be one, right? Yeah, that's great. Where's that's, the T-shirt, by the way? I keep forgetting to order it because we did find it, and I completely uh, I forget to pull the trigger every oh, single time. Oh, and we're watching them right now. Wake Forest baseball, number one in the country. That's true. Yeah. 
Wake Forest baseball. I'm not up to date on my college baseball rankings. Yes, they but are number one. Yeah. And that's not a good omen for the upcoming tournament. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, Cannonball Paul, he says, anybody who says the Carolina Hurricanes are failures are just ignorant or sore losers. They struggled and lost because they ran into a buzzsaw, and the better team won, just like the Bruins ran into that buzzsaw that is the Florida Panthers. Panther Bo said Gamecock football had a successful season. I think that's probably fair. I think we would call that successful given yeah. the expectations, I right? Agree. Especially with the way that they were able to finish. I think that's fair. 704 said Wake Baseball right now for sure. Um, and uh, K-Town Mafia, he asked the question, Duke overachieved. All those five should go further than the second round. All those five-star five guys should go further than the second round. And that's how you feel when assessing what they did this past There's year. There's never a year ever where Duke basketball losing in the second round is a successful season. Not when you've gone to 18 Final Fours, you've won five national championships. There's there's no way, no matter the circumstances, you could quantify that as a success. All right, so we can have this conversation a little bit in the next segment, too. But we do want to get you updated on Panthers OTAs. Being held at Bank of America Stadium today, autograph day as well. So we also want to know this question, this answer to the question, I should say. Best autograph you have right now. What's the best autograph you have in your collection? Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. More Weston Walker up to come. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Biggie. Biggie. The show off to a little bit of an awkward start. And it was a good first segment. I liked the conversation. But then I ended it with up to come, which makes zero sense. More Wesson <laughs> Walker coming up next. No, I couldn't do that. I said more Wesson Walker up to come. All right. So then we actually get to the commercial break and Fiddy starts just playing random drops of me because he's been hard at work trying to get some more funny drops. And everybody heard me say all-time booty mover. That was a favorite on the text line. People were saying, why are we playing Walker drops right now? What was another one I had? Mr. Unlimited is what you played too, Fitty? Yeah. <laughs> so he, it's a good way to spice up commercial breaks. Yeah. I wonder if uh, clients and I wonder if businesses would actually like that so we could put a little spice on it. <laughs> I've played Sasquatch calls. Yep. Flounder left a, a music bed underneath the commercial break. It's starting to be evident why we're part-time and not full-time. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we master not playing drops over commercial breaks, then, then at that time, you guys will become full-time. Let's go to the Garage Door Guru text line at oh. 704-570-9610. We're going to figure all this out a little bit later. Jack came in when we asked, what is the best autograph in your collection? Jack maybe has the best answers, and they were the first entries. How about a Hank Aaron autograph? Oh, wow. And a Stan Musial autograph. 
Just some. Yeah, those are going to be hard to top. Uh, they are going to be hard to top. So we'll just roll through them real quickly. 980 number wrote in. Best autograph in my collection, probably a Dwight Clark or very different. Queen City. Patrick Harrington. <laughs> very different two-time major winner, Patrick Harrington. So very different there. 980 number said Muggsy. Somebody that we think should be having his jersey hung in the rafters at Spectrum Center from yesterday's conversation. Trophy husband. He said this. Dale Murphy. You got a shirt of Dale Murphy, West. Deion Sanders. Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, John Smoltz. He's got a bunch of good stuff from when they lived uh, close to Atlanta near training camp. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Trophy husband coming in with a great collection. Tate wrote in, I have a signed Cam kickball from his charity tournament and a signed Luke Keekley CPI garden gnome. (laughs) My wife won at the Monday night football game versus New Orleans a few years ago. See, that's also another good question because I've got a weird piece of memorabilia that's signed that doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't beat the CPI garden gnome. That's a great thing to have signed. But I have a Bob Sanders t-shirt, and I've told this story a couple times. Bob Sanders t-shirt, we're at Colts training camp, and I wasn't huge into autographs. I just wanted to let them be. I just wanted to kind of observe. But Peyton Manning is right next to me, and the line is not very long because he just walked up to the gate. And so I'm like, all right, I got to get Peyton Manning's autograph. I have to. So then I walk over there. I don't have anything to sign. Though. I don't have any, I don't have a Colts football or anything like that. So I just take off my shirt. I'm like, hey, can you just go ahead and sign this Bob Sanders t-shirt? And so Peyton Manning does that. But this is the real idiot part of me. Random offensive lineman, Tony Hugo. Random. Decided to get his signature too. And so it ruined any value that I had. <laughs> just didn't. Wasn't a great player. Like, Tony Hugo, random signature, I decided to ruin the Peyton Manning autograph that I had on the Bob Sanders t-shirt. Well, there Uh, you go. Yeah, I wish I didn't do that. D2 kicker said, Vince Carter, cash points, receipt my mom got in Chapel Hill (laughs) back in the day. Because you got to get it. This is like Step Brothers, where if you see Randy Jackson, you get your samurai sword signed because you're not going to get, you're not not going to get Randy Jackson's autograph. And uh, we got a bunch of other ones in. We can start reading some of those off a little bit later. Um, 704-570-9610. Let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers hosting OTAs out at Bank of America Stadium today. I did see a Bryce Young tipped pass by Shy Tuttle. Should I overreact to that, or is this just another minicamp thing? Who cares as long as as it's not happening in the regular season? Well, it's a question we've kind of kicked around, man. I felt like that since Baker Mayfield has been here and all the batted balls that he had, I felt like we have batted ball syndrome uh, around here. I've never (laughs) heard a fan base talk more about that specific topic than this one. And so you knew when Bryce Young was drafted that that was automatically going to be the topic of discussion. So anytime he gets a ball batted, it's going to be a big deal. And it's all because of Baker Mayfield. Well, nobody's overreacting to it on Twitter. I'm just saying, yes, we we did see it, but you're right. You've been asking this question. If we do have any batted ball syndrome around here, it's because of what Baker Mayfield brought. Oh, and then they drafted a smaller QB. Yeah, before the draft, that's all you heard from people. Mm -hmm. A a couple of people that I know, they were, you know, oh, I hope he doesn't get his balls batted. I hope that doesn't happen. And I was just like, good Lord, man. 
Well, and, and there are some studies that show there's not really all that much of a correlation between having balls batted at the line of scrimmage and just how tall or short you are. And Kyler Murray is a, a good example of that, where it hasn't happened as much to him, I don't believe, yeah. as it did to a Baker, although he is kind of small. So hopefully it doesn't happen to Bryce Young as we go on. But I only kid, right? Bryce Young is going to be just fine. He looks great, just like everybody's looking great. Wes, I know you put in the Twitter DM. Isn't it Will Levis now that is getting all of the love? Yeah. We've, we've now done the QB cycle. <laughs> First, it was Bryce Young getting all the love. Then we moved on to C.J. Stroud. Hey, pay attention to Indianapolis because Anthony Richardson is actually picking up the offense a lot faster than we originally thought. Josh Downs is looking good. And now we're moving to Tennessee saying Will Levis is giving the other QBs a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, this is the season for everybody to be excited about their guys as they're out there on air throwing in seven on sevens and team drills where there's no contact and no real threats of anything. But I think that it gets you excited, though, to an extent because you're going to want to see what it's going to look like once they are able to put pads on. But uh, I was just sitting over here as we speak looking at Desmond Ritter, but I think they were giving him a hard time because some of the throws, a couple of these throws they put online were not very accurate. So this website, they're a little tongue-in-cheek with uh, the way that they're coming across. They, they said Desmond Ritter shows off his accuracy, and then I looked at the – footage and he was you know overthrowing guys and guys were having to jump through yeah. the gym to go get the balls and stuff like that so it just depends that's the problem but you you rather that than the the other side of this you don't want to hear he's not looking too good in many camps because then that's really caused the pause it's all fun and games to make fun of productive mini camps and otas until you see the desmond ritter throw and you're like oh okay no it's good that they're completing passes <laughs> let's just not have the off the mark passes that yeah. we're getting from the atlanta you Falcons. i want to hear QB. well uh they're starting right. to question whether or not they should have picked them off of mini camp right that's not good so it's clear bryce young is going to have a huge impact on whether the panthers make the postseason or not whether you think it is the biggest factor of this team whether you think it's just one of the big factors that could be a debate for another time but clearly Bryce Young is going to have to play well and if the bar is just playing better than what Sam Darnold did in some QBs last year then the bar is relatively low especially for a rookie QB number one just coming in with some expectation what's interesting is that you don't have to immediately fill the shoes of one Cam Newton because now there's been a little time since we've seen that level of play at the QB spot where it's going to be it's going to be welcome the fact that it's not Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, any of those other QBs, Baker Mayfield that started games. We have a cushion where it's like, all right, we'll just take average play. Average play from Bryce Young, that could lead to a postseason spot, especially with the NFC South not looking great. And we expect him to even be even better than average coming into his rookie season. Do they have enough firepower, though? Because Trevor Sikama of PFF said he doesn't think Carolina is going to make the NFC postseason because they do lack the firepower right now in the wide receiver room. Some people feel that way. I think that I think that's actually getting a little overplayed. And this is coming from someone who thought it was a big deal to lose DJ Moore. But I think they did enough to just tread water at the wide receiver position. What say you on this, Wes, with Trevor Sikama saying that the Carolina Panthers are not going to make the postseason? The biggest reason he points out is because of the lack of firepower. Do you think that is a legitimate reason to say, no, they're going to be going home at the end of the regular year? Uh, I don't because last year showed us otherwise. And so that's the main thing about this this whole deal is that last year the Panthers didn't have a ton of firepower and we're still on the precipice of the playoffs. Now, like I said, it, the, the Saints, when we've been comparing the rosters 
offensive line is where they're most deficient, and they have some other questions as far as suspensions and some of the like. But other than that, you're talking about this Panthers team. I feel like they have good veteran savvy guys. There's nothing sexy on the roster as far as you do have a Pro Bowl running back back there, though. But other than that, there's nothing that people are going to be like, oh, man, like there's nothing dynamic. And so Jonathan Mingo is supposed to be that piece right now with that 4-4 speed uh, to make this offense dynamic. But it's just by the division itself Mm -hmm. is why you have to give this team a chance. Until the Saints come out in the first maybe two quarters of the season, and if they're sitting there at six and two or seven and one, then you're like, all right, this Panthers team doesn't have enough because they're not going to be able to compete. And and Atlanta could surprise. Hell, Tampa Bay could surprise. You never know in the NFL. I mean, 50% of the teams go out and 50% come in for the playoffs every year. So you don't know who those surprise teams will be. But until we see some teams from the NFC South in the first six to eight games of the season really come out and demand that you pay attention to them, they have a shot. Uh, we got a text from 704 sending in a picture of them getting an autograph from Bryce Young today. A lot of fun. Okay. Here's the text. Had a blast today at PSL Autograph Day. I think it's going to be a special year. Hayden Hurst is a beast. And Adam Thielen looked faster than I thought. So that's going to be cool. Bryce Young, maybe when we're asking this question in five years, what's the best autograph you have in your collection? 10, 15, whatever time frame you want to put on it. Maybe people will be right again. Bryce Young, that's the hottest one I got in the collection. And so today is a great way to get out in front of all of that. We've got, I mean, I can't tell you how many texts we just got in. I mean, it is an overflow. So mm. maybe at the end of the segment, I try to comb through them and give you some of the best mentions here in the Garage Door Guru text line. I wanted to continue this Carolina Panther postseason conversation, though, because we go from one advanced stat, FP or PFF, obviously measuring other things than just the traditional numbers. Now we go to ESPN FPI. That metric says that Carolina has the fourth easiest schedule, Wes. Mm -hmm. When we were going down the schedule, we really pointed to the lack of star quarterbacks that they were going to have to go against. Now, it's not like they were all trash. Right. It wasn't that they were in the bottom. Just a lot of questions. Just I don't know how many outright consensus top 10 QBs they were facing this year. We went through some. Tua was an MVP candidate the first half. I don't know if everyone would say that Tua is a top 10 QB. Derek Carr, we've had our debates, but if you put him in the top 10, it's like 9 or 10. Trevor Lawrence could take that next step. I don't know if people are putting him in there now. So we have all of that conversation. But if you just look at the opposing defenses too, maybe that's something that can help Bryce Young come along in his rookie year. What do you make of them having the fourth easiest schedule according to ESPN FPI? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, as you said, looking at the quarterbacks first and foremost, and people are starting to kind of put Trevor Lawrence in that ilky six right now in MVP odds to start the season. But when you look at the rest of the schedule, there are a lot of good quarterbacks. There are a lot of quarterbacks that can beat you on this schedule. So that's yeah, that's the main thing. But other than that, you talked about defenses as well. There's not a lot of vaunted units. I mean, Dallas is the best unit on this one alongside New Orleans that's in their own division. Jacksonville's defense uh, came on last year as well. We saw what they were able to do. We know what Seattle PKR can bring. So there's, there, there's some good teams on there that can beat you. But as far as just being this daunting schedule where you have to play a lot of division winners, Super Bowl contenders, that's not there. And so for the Panthers, this is very advantageous because, one, it helps you if – in classic Panthers fashion, if you start bad, you can get on a run late 
and be able to pick up some games down the, sp- the stretch, especially when you talk about the tougher, I'd say the tougher side of the schedule is easily at the beginning because you're playing in Atlanta and New Orleans and Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, Miami. Those are all going to be tough games for the most part. But then after the bye week, the schedule clears up. There's a Dallas thrown in there, Tennessee. You're not sure what you're going to get. And then Jacksonville is probably the the most contender-ish team in there besides the Cowboys for your season after the bye week. So I think that bodes well for Bryce Young. I think it bodes well for this defense, and I think it bodes well for the Panthers overall if they aren't able to get off to a great start in those first six games. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm interested, too, just when we talk about the transition of Bryce Young, what can make all of this easier? There we are talking about the schedule. If we go back to, to just the collection of pass catchers they have, if we compare it to last year, you don't have the number one guy. There's nobody on this roster right now that is as good as DJ Moore. He goes to Chicago, but I would argue just from top to bottom, you feel more comfortable targeting more receivers in this offense than you did last year when it was DJ Moore that was hop heavy, but second receiver was Robbie Anderson for a little while. You move on from him. And then who did you feel the next best throwing to Terrace Marshall? And this is someone who likes him, but to have him be the second most trustworthy target, I don't know if that should be the answer that way, right? Because the tight ends weren't stepping up. Chris McCaffrey was gone from the team, so he's not going to be that guy. You didn't have a real pass-catching threat coming out of the backfield unless you're talking about Blackshear. And while Blackshear might have shown some promise, I don't, I'm not going to put him number two on that list. Now you have Thielen and Shark. I feel very good about throwing to those guys. You have Hayden Hurst. Cool. Good tight end. Damn solid. Terrace Marshall. Maybe he takes a step up. Miles Sanders. We at least have the 50 reception rookie season. So if we're going to compare this to last year, even if you don't think it's a lot of firepower, I do think from top to bottom, it's actually better than what you had from last year, even without DJ Moore, who I value a ton based off of my reaction when they actually made the trade. Yeah, I mean, I think that for Carolina, they may not be done making moves. Who knows? We talked about the odds of them maybe getting DeAndre Hopkins. We'll see. But just as far as, as it is, I think, like I said, there's not flash there, but there's definitely substance. And there are guys there who you can count on. And I think that's as important as anything. I feel like you can count on Thielen. You can count on Hayden Hurst. You can count on DJ Chark. Like, I think these are all guys yeah. that have done things in this league. You can count on Miles Sanders. Now, we'll see. I think he's the biggest question mark of them all because a lot of people, you know, talk about the line and the offense and things of that nature. So we'll see if he's truly what the stats said he was last season. But there are a lot of guys that you can count on. And I think when it comes down to it, when it comes to winning time, Mm -hmm. that that's important, as important as anything. Well, And I'll say this, too. You'd rather have this collection of talent at the skill position than you would last year if you're Bryce Young. I mean, think about Bryce Young. These are the numbers. You don't have DJ Moore. That's 888 yards last season. That's over 1,100 yards the three previous years. He's not on the roster. Terrence or Terrace Marshall had 490. The third leading receiver on this team, Shy Smith, right, at 296. McCaffrey had 277 in just the six games that he played. Shy Smith might not be on the team, and he was your third leading receiver. And so, if Carolina comes that close, and then this year you have a better QB, hopefully, yes, even by year one in Bryce Young and you have a better collection of talent to throw the football to, while also expecting the offensive line to take a step up, 
That's the reason to believe in this offense, especially when you compare it to last year. And so that's why I think if you are in favor of Carolina making the postseason on top of the defense, as long as they can stay relatively healthy, that's why you feel good about this squad. 704-570-9610. I'm going to try to run through some of the best autographs that you have as the listener in your collection. 336. We'll start with a joke, though. A Greg Hardy Walmart security polo shirt. That's one. <laughs> if you got that, I don't know how much that's worth. 704, uh, they were talking, but Chad was talking about how if they are practicing at Bank of America Stadium, they hope everyone comes out okay, which is true, which is a huge part of OTA's minicamp anyway. You just don't want anybody to be injured. Um, scrolling and scrolling on the Garage Door Guru text line. Uh, era. Oh, no, excuse me. Sometimes I sound like an idiot reading these texts. John the Beer Man. Yeah, that's true. John the Beer Man wrote in. I've got an autograph 1984 Mark McGuire Tops rookie card. It's his baseball card from the 1984 Olympic team. So that's a really good one. Wow. Cam tweets thing says I was 12 and I got a Clemson football with the whole 2002 team autograph on it. Tommy Bowden, Charlie Whitehurst, Gaines Adams, RIP Gaines Adams, Nick Eason, Ty Hill, Jeff Scott, and Tony Elliott, just to name a few. I had a, a few of those Carolina Panthers footballs. The only thing is I never got Cam's autograph when I was younger. Wow. That was the problem. So I had everybody else's, but I didn't get Cam. So that was tough. Uh, 704, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson on one basketball. 919, Larry Johnson autographed upper deck rookie card. Big Cat Dan has a Ronda Rousey signed book. Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, nice. that's a random one. I'm trying to find. A, there was one that I saved that I thought was excellent. Somebody said that they got Scott Burrell's autograph on a Bojangles napkin. <laughs> and that's the one they I like want. chicken, too. That's one. Who does? I said they like chicken. Athletes. Too. Yeah. Oh, Athletes yeah. will eat fried chicken. hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. I, it's funny because I was watching the last dance as well. And Michael Jordan was clowning on Scott Burrell. I was just watching that yesterday because they had it on some reruns. We'll read some more of those texts as the show goes on. But we got to get to the first fitty flash of the day. It's all right. A little hometown or a big old city Might as well share, might as well smile Life goes on for a little city We'll start with looking back at the action in baseball last night because I have a stat that's going to blow Walker Mail's mind. I love baseball um, stats. Last night, the Braves walked it off against the Dodgers to avoid getting swept at home. They start a four-game series set in Atlanta tonight with Philadelphia. They lead the NL East by five and a half games right now over the Mets, who are 500. The Angels swept the Red Sox as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani both homered. The Orioles used an eighth-run seventh inning to beat the Yankees. And here's the stat, Walker. Remember how you were gushing over the Rays' run differential the first two, three months? Sure was, yep. They no longer have the best run differential in baseball. That belongs to the Texas Rangers, who are plus 112. The Rays are plus 111. Big reason why? They lost 20 to 1 on Tuesday night. Good <laughs> race. That's a big one. That's going to hurt you. Do they have Josh Hamilton back in Texas again? Is Elvis do Andrews? You, do you just talk that up to it not being your night because if you lose 20 to 1, I'm sure they were pulling pitchers left and right. So it, to me, it just seems like it's just not your night because everybody's getting cooked. Yeah, Fitty shaking his head. Absolutely, yes. But this reminds me, too, what is it with Texas and obscene scores? Because I always go back to the 30 to 3 against game. Against Baltimore, wasn't it? Yes, against Baltimore. <laughs> that score was 30 to 3. And I don't think I'll ever see anybody score 30 runs in a Major League Baseball game again. Unbelievable. Love. 
feel-good baseball stat. Let's go to the ACC, some college conversation. They amended the new revenue model, so we'll get to that conversation in just a moment on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season. And the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, Empowered by the Garage Door Guru text line, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Yesterday, we got to this towards the end of the show. The ACC, they amend their new revenue model, and this was a big thing that had everybody thinking the ACC was about to disintegrate. We talked about the Magnificent Seven. No air quotes there from me, but they talked about the teams <laughs> led by Clemson and Florida State that could be leaving because they wanted more money based on their standing in the league as the premier teams when you talk about postseason appearances, college football playoffs, and the like. But to inform you, if you don't know, the new success incentives will see a higher percentage of the revenue generated by postseason competition, such as the college football playoff and NCAA tournament, given to the teams participating rather than getting equally divided amongst all members mm-hmm. and then all other revenues, including those from the league's current television contract, will be continued to be shared equally. And this will begin in 2024, 2025. And so uh, they said they spent months discussing this. And they said what is expected. They said they spent months discussing a new revenue distribution plan as a way to help mitigate what is expected to be a 30 to 40 million annual revenue gap between the conference and the SEC and Big Ten. And before we start in on this, just wanted to add in that the ACC and the Pac-12 released their final financial data for the 2021-22 season. And the ACC 990 form showed the league brought in $617 million, up 6.7% from the previous year, record revenue for the league. So if, if you taught... What's your question? You were going to... No, no, no. I was just going to go ahead. No, you go ahead, dive in. No, just if you look at the endorsement here, 
of the entire ACC board of directors, which, by the way, the ACC board of directors just uh, uh, it's comprising the league's 15 presidents, chancellors. They all met this week in Charlotte, too. And Jim Phillips said last week during the ACC spring meetings in Amelia Island that he was optimistic the board would endorse this new model. So it is good news, right? Because there were some people that were coming out last week saying that this wasn't a big deal. That was a lot to do about nothing, right? Like that Florida State, when you had Michael Alford say last week, under the new success and incentives plan, a team that makes the college football playoff could potentially add more than $10 million in revenue annually. So he was actually frustrated because they weren't getting as much money because he feels like they're a top dog despite not being a top dog in what? Like kind of a decade now? They're yeah. going to the better part of a decade before Mike Norvell has been able to turn some things around this year and we expect big things in the upcoming season. It just seems like with all of this discussion happening I heard you. It just seems like within, you know, the last couple of months, Jim Phillips had been trying to go to a different, a different revenue plan. It seems like Florida State was just trying to hold their feet to the fire and just kind of force this thing. And then nothing came from it. Right. Like, that's what it feels like. And so the ACC fine right now. Everybody is endorsing this, at least the 15 uh, members of the board of directors. And so it seems like maybe you had a little scare last week just at the first glance. But only a talking point for a week before this got quote-unquote settled, and then we'll see what happens from here on out. Let's hear from Clemson Tiger Eric McClain, former Clemson Tiger, on the Kyle Bailey Show on what he thinks of the ACC's new incentive plan. My opinion on the whole thing of, of with it, I mean, it totally makes sense. I mean, when you look at you know a team that has carried the, the, the conference in a particular sport, it, it makes sense that they should be given more money. I mean, you, you, if you're – you know, looking at another conference, the, the Vanderbilt of the world in college, in college football, I mean, obviously you're not doing the same that an Alabama or Georgia has done for the SEC. So why is it, you know, that, that you get to cut that same check? Uh, I, I just think that, you know, winners obviously and people that bring the more attention and the, the glory to the conference should be rewarded. So, Yeah, and so when you look at it too, I mean, I agree with that. And so Eric McClain, obviously former Clemson Tiger, and he has strong feelings that Clemson should be getting a bigger cut of the pie. And so this also helps because the teams at the bottom, you really don't care if they wanted to leave. I mean, just to be frank, so you want to keep the teams at the top happy so that they will want to stay because that's the lifeblood of your league. But Matt Doherty on the Kyle Bailey show said that he thinks that this plan does not stop the bleeding. I, I read uh, what I thought were the details uh, on an article, and I'm thinking uh, my dad would say big whoop. Like, you have to make the college football playoffs to to get an addition, potentially an additional $10 million. Well, that still leaves you $20 million behind the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, and you have to win at a high level. It's not like just having a winning season or going to a bowl, as I understand it. You have more, may have more flavor on that, but I, I don't think it stops the bleeding. Well, this is the problem, because if you're going to have this plan in place right now, just to quiet the angry people as it currently stands, can you find enough of a happy medium to where everybody is going to be happy all the time? And that just doesn't seem like it's going to be true for a long period of time. And so I understand what Matt Doherty is saying here, but you got to do something to try to figure out the, the gap. And the thing is. I do think the conference and Jim Phillips, they have the leverage right now because of everything we talked about last week. It's not like any of these other leagues are knocking on the door to welcome a Florida State or anybody else who might be so vocal as it currently stands. That's not happening. 
And when Joe Ovius joined us last week to discuss this too, we were all talking about, well, if Florida State is so vocal about this, that's not necessarily the chess move somebody makes if they've got a plan on the other side. It seems maybe for the lack of a better word, a little desperate. It just seems like you're forcing the issue where when we go to Texas, we go to Oklahoma, when they were behind the scenes moving conferences, that's exactly what it was behind the scenes. We didn't get any warning. We didn't get anything. Hey, they didn't weren't shooting up a flare. We're going to move. We promise. And then <laughs> they ended up doing it in, you know, Baltimore Colt style, just driving buses in the middle of the night, trying to move conferences. Right. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's not like Florida State is. It, it looks like, oh, yeah, they've got a real plan behind closed doors. ACC seems to have the leverage. And now, you know, in a short time, at least we got some kind of endorsing of a different revenue plan. But maybe another school is vocal. I don't know how many years from now, I don't know how many months from now. Well, the thing I can't wait for is on social media after these games, especially at Florida State or any of these other teams at the top that wanted more money, don't perform. The fans are definitely going to be hitting them with the, well, how much money do you deserve for this year? Like people are going to be having all the means and all of that good stuff. But when we return on the Wes and Walker show, where did Carolina see the biggest improvement on their coaching staff? We've got that and more Panthers talk coming up on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.